Hi, welcome to the Get to Yes podcast. Neil Osborne from The Sales Catalyst is our host. He teaches, coaches, consults and speaks on business subjects that help hair, beauty and aesthetic businesses become commercially clever and highly profitable. Throughout this series, Neil talks with a variety of industry experts who share business tips to help you navigate your journey. Hope you enjoy it. Hi there. Welcome to yet again another episode of Get to Yes. I'm really excited today as I have a very special guest, a man I've known for, well, many, many years. And I'd like to introduce him to you through his background, his experience, and the contribution that he has made to the hairdressing industry here in Australia. Firstly, yes, he is a hairdresser, and also I might add an experienced and qualified trichologist. When I first met him some 40 years ago, he was the sales and marketing manager of a hair care brand called Delva. He since moved on to be a salon owner with his wife, and at the height of his business, had 10 major shopping centre location salons around the Sydney area. He was instrumental and a major contributor to the formulations and strategic direction of PPS at its launch. He was part of the steering committee and creator of a brand called Salon Only. Today, he is the creator, founder and master formulator of a very unique product called Trichovedic, and he's also still a salon owner. I'm super excited to have him as a guest on our podcast today, and please welcome to the microphone, Mr. John Cook. Thank you, Neil. It's very good to be here, and you make me feel quite exhausted, actually. <laughs> Where did I find the time? Yes, exhausted, um, or maybe I think experienced, John, is probably more appropriate words, huh? Hey? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay. You, You've had a very, very unique experience in our industry and a very unique contribution to our industry. There are very few people that I get to talk to that work on what I call both sides of the industry, both being on the floor in the salon and have the salon experience, as well as being able to look at our industry through the lens of a corporate life. Uh, and I think that is very, very unique indeed, and it's obviously put you in a tremendous place in the industry, John. So congratulations. Well, let me tell you a secret. Um, you're almost correct, although I didn't spend much time working on the floor as a hairdresser. Um, and, and this may help some people, I don't know, but I found out very, very, very um, early in my career, when I did my apprenticeship, two things. I was a lousy hairdresser, <laughs> um, I really was, and I didn't enjoy doing people's hair, which may sound rather weird after you've read out a whole list of things which um, are all connected one way or the other with the hair industry. Mm, but, uh, I think a lot of people go through life thinking they're good at something or hoping they're going to be good at something and waste almost an entire lifetime. Mm. And maybe They may go to their grave thinking that they were a great hairdresser or a great bricklayer or, or, or a great doctor, but it doesn't really matter. But um, I was lucky, I think, to recognise very early, I didn't like it, and I weren't any good at it. <laughs> and um, but I enjoyed the industry, and as my history um, shows, mm. I've um, spent my entire life, one way or the other, connected with the hairdressing industry. So yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's many tales to be told there, John. Yeah, I'm sure there are too. I don't uh, think we'll go into many of them here. <laughs> no, so we can't talk about uh, directly into the mic. <laughs> 
I mean, if I'm meant to be giving any form of advice at all, and whether my advice is worth anything or not, I don't know. But try and recognise as early as you can in your career or your working life. Try and do something you really like. Mm-hmm. And if you like it, chances are, and you keep doing it, you should become pretty good at it. Great if you've got a real flair for something. Yes, true. That's fantastic, like a very good designer or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you're going to spend most of your life working, which most of us do, um, you may as well enjoy it. Very true. So if you can find something you enjoy, obviously you're going to enjoy it, but um, hopefully you'll do well at it purely because you enjoy it. Yes. I think that's a really good thread to start our conversation on today because it really does encourage people. Because a lot of the people we talk to, John, being uh, in the hairdressing industry, they're young hairdressers and they and they get into hairdressing because they love doing hair. They enjoy the customer interaction. They enjoy the flair, the fashion, the fun. But unfortunately, there's one side that tends to come with that, and that is that they're not really good at the business side. And, uh, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask at the beginning of our interviews is, you know, if you were a younger version of yourself, what would be some of the financial advice that you would give yourself very early? Or what were some of the financial things you learnt very early in those early days of opening up the salons? I think what you just said is very true. Um, I think a lot of people get into hairdressing because they simply love or love the idea of doing people's hair. Mm. And um, that, that's a very good reason to get into it, if, if that happens to be the case. And I think a hell of a lot of our industry, members of our industry, don't, particularly in the early days when it's all very exciting, mm-hmm. um, etc. They don't give much thought to the finance side of it. Yep. And if I look at a lot of the great hairdressers internationally over many years, there are, ve- there, there are exceptions to this, but there are very few who have been genuinely a great hairdresser yep. with genuine flair mm. and also a great businessman. Yes, it's interesting. You, sometimes you, 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 if you do see it, you sometimes see it in a partnership. That's the point I was going to make, yeah. and I, I too spring to mind, but there, mm. are, there have been dozens and dozens of them. If you take the Tony and Guy family, yep. mm. and Bruno and Anthony, mm-hmm. the um, two younger brothers, who were genuinely, particularly Anthony, mm. but um, Bruno, when he, he, he actually made the transi- transition from being a very good hairdresser to being a very good businessman. Mm. Mm. But... Um, Anthony was primarily an artist, and yep. genuinely so, mm. and yet the eldest brother, Tony, mm-hmm. he was a hairdresser too. Yep. Um, but um, I don't know when he sort of gave that side of the industry up. He wasn't doing... He was doing a bit of hair when I first met him back in the 80s mm. in mm. London. Mm. Um, but he turned out to be an incredible businessman. He was. Very so you true. put that combination together mm. of these brothers, a couple of them were very business orientated and a couple of them were very artistic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um very powerful combination it is it's very very hard to find that combination in one person or in one head it is very rare and i was talking to uh i did my last interview was with dennis langford of tony and guy and we're actually talking about exactly this and we were saying that you know to be truly creative you need to have a free mind you need to not not be sitting there thinking about the numbers and thinking about other stresses if you want to start to be really creative in hairdressing and unfortunately i think that's part of the root problem as to why you're either left-brained or right-brained and why you're strong in area and and not so strong in others well if you look at great artists singers Mm. Mm. um 
actors, yep. actresses, mm. if they're truly great at their craft, singing or acting or whatever, very, very few of them, I, I don't know one, there may, be, there may be exceptions, but they are not they don't usually have the attributes of an accountant. That's true. They normally have a business manager or something, don't they? Yeah, well, they usually mm. get robbed by their accountant <laughs> or their business manager. And that's yeah. why Leonard Cohen had to go back on the road. Yep, yep. And mm. You hear it countless times. Mm. But they usually do have a mm. business manager yep. and or an accountant, mm -hmm. one in the same. And so they do the art side. The other guy keeps an eye on the numbers. Yep. And that's how it usually works. Mm, mm. Most hairdressers do have an accountant mm -hmm. to do their basically their tax mm. return at the end of the year. Yep. I don't think many of them consult an, uh, consult an accountant on an ongoing basis. And um, I'm lucky. I, I um, ended up marrying a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. She actually had a salon of her own when mm -hmm. I married her. Mm -hmm. And um, she was a very good hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Still is. Mm. I still allow her to cut my hair. <laughs> um, but... But she was genuine. Mm. She ended up being a judge of hairdressing, yep. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, so she took care of that side of our mm. business. And mm. I've always kept my eye on both the numbers and the marketing. And okay. um, mm -hmm. it's it's been good. It's been a mm. great combination. Yep. Was there any particular learning experiences that you had in the early days about managing the dollars? Is there anything there that comes to mind that was a? I can't remember when I first learned this, but it was almost a revelation. Mm. It's so important, and I know this sounds so obvious, but I don't think enough business people, and let alone hairdressers, mm -hmm. any, any occupation or, or professional, whatever, spend enough time really knowing inside out, back to front, what it is costing them to run their business, mm -hmm. truly. Yep. Um, and then what, and, and then working out what, if anything, they're going to be left with. Mm -hmm often called yes. profit. Yes. And it's not a dirty word, it's a necessary word if you wish to stay in business. Thank you. And, and it's also the definition of business because for me the definition of business is to offer a product or a service for sale at a profit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's part but of the philosophy. Unless you want to be a charity. Thank you. Thank you. And I think this is where, unfortunately, some of our artistic skills and artistic people in our industry don't know where to go to get this advice. They don't know where to go. And it's not like you've got to go and uh, become an accountant. It's not, we're not talking about that. It's, we're talking about simply understanding the numbers. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it, it really is. And a lot of people hate figures, and you commonly hear people say, I'm no good at maths. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a mathematician or an accountant. Most of it's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. You can get some initial coaching, lessons, yep. teaching, whatever, mm -hmm. to set up a very simple structure for you to then follow and report to. That's it. That's not difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but in the early days, you'll almost certainly need a bit of advice from somebody. Mm -hmm. But um, once you get, get to understand what to do, you can basically follow the bouncing ball and mm -hmm. make sure you do and be disciplined about it. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is, uh, and we both do the same thing. You chat to people and you say, you know, um, how's things going? What's your retail sales as a percentage of turnover? What's, what's sort of, and we're, what we're shopping for in those conversations is benchmarks so that we can comment yeah. or compare yeah. to other businesses we know. And I'm continually surprised is how few people know those numbers i mean you would carry those numbers around the top of your head every day wouldn't you pretty much yes yeah i mean yeah. and they've all got to conform to a percentage yes of of what my business turns over mm -hmm. and it can't get out of that percentage mm -hmm. 
they might creep up and down a bit, but yep. overall they can't because mm. there's only 100% to play with. That's exactly right. You know, <laughs> how you cut and dice that up yep. is pretty determined depending on the industry you're in. Yes, and your location, because rents these days can be so variable. That's, um, that's very true, but, but my opinion there, and it's interesting you answer that, because I've only really run, in the last 30 years, um, salons in major shopping centres. Mm, mm, so mm. rent is a very, very big part of the game. Yes. And... Um, uh, it, you're quite correct. If you're in a strip, sh- a strip street mall, yep. mm-hmm. um, you, you know the old rule of thumb was you should allow about ten percent for mm-hmm. your rent. Mm-hmm. If you go to a, a major regional shopping centre mm-hmm. and you are hoping the extra you're paying is going to get you more turnover to justify yep. being there, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But you can't really if you. If your rent in a hairdressing salon scenario gets really over 20%, you ain't going to make any money. You really start to stretch it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, COVID's been good for us in that respect. Not that really you can describe COVID, COVID in any way as good. But it has made me take a sharper look at my business. Um, and some of our rents were getting out of control. Mm-hmm. If you take a Westfield scenario, and they're not too different to other major shopping centres, but they, particularly when the Lowy family owned it and ran it, they're Mm -hmm. smarter than most of the others. Mm. But um, they've had in their leases for the last maybe 10, 12, 15 years, it used to be traditional for rents to increase in a commercial premises by CPI on an annual basis, Mm -hmm. Consumer Mm -hmm. Price Index. And that's been around for years and years Mm. and years, and most Mm. people thought that was quite reasonable because if the CPI goes up in the good old days or the bad old days, whichever way you want to look at it, say the CPI is 5%, Mm -hmm. and then your rent goes up 5%, well, Mm. theoretically, if all things being equal, your prices go up 5%. So the status quo remains. Assuming you had a price increase. Of course, Mm. yeah, absolutely. Again, something that people overlook. But Westfield sneaked in, as I said, maybe 10 years ago. Mm. I can't remember. But they not only wanted CPI, it started at CPI plus one, then it went to CPI plus one and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. In their premium shopping centres, and in Sydney that would include the the, the uh, city mm. and Bondi Junction, that's now CPI plus two and a half percent. Oh my God! Now you compound that over a five-year lease, yes. and you're looking at even with very low inflation, which mm-hmm. we've had, mm. you're looking at compounding five percent over five years. And I'm done the maths um, in the last couple of days but that's most probably a 30% increase over five years and you've got inflation running at 1.6, 1. 1.7% 1. that is don't an, add up that is an incredible hike to have yeah. to then look at how to retrieve that yeah well you, you, you hope and pray something like COVID comes out of left field mm. and then the game's over for everybody and you start mm. again Yeah, yeah. now since COVID which is we were talking about this earlier well, mm. nearly 18 months ago yep started mm. maybe 14 months ago um we went into covid with eight salons yep we've lost one during mm-hmm. covid which mm-hmm. was a franchise mm-hmm. and she had had enough i didn't want to take it over mm. i let that one go and i've renewed one lease mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. The, the pandemic came along yep 
at a dramatically different rent to where we started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've got another um, lease coming up in August, mm -hmm. so it's probably six or eight weeks away, and I am offering them 15% of whatever we turned over in 2019, which is right. fair. You yeah. can't use uh -huh. last year. No, true. Um, for any scenario. Yep. Um, and they'll either accept it or we will close it. Mm -hmm. And I will do that with each of them. I've got two more leases up early next year. Mm -hmm. So I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah. And I'll yep. get into a time in my life where I don't need it, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, but you go, and you, and you sort of slip into this situation. Mm. And mm. I had a meeting with Westfield the year before last, 2019. I went mm. into head office, had a, a very um, nice meeting with them, but I said, guys, because of your CPI plus two or two and a half percent, your rents are getting totally out of hand, mm -hmm. and your centres have plateaued in yep. numbers before Traffic. COVID mm -hmm. um, because of internet sales. Yep. Now, they don't, thank God they haven't invented a way of doing a haircut online yet. I'm sure it will come. <laughs> but um, at the moment, services are what those centres want. Yep. And, you know, beauticians, hairdressers, massages, mm -hmm. laser yep. work, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yep. Plus services like banks, building societies, mm -hmm. where well, people have physically got to this go. There's foot traffic, yeah. Well, mm. that's becoming less and less with banks. Mm. That's, that's why true. Keep closing branches. Mm. But, mm. um, um, I, so I came to that decision on my rents mm. before COVID hit. Yep. COVID has given me an opportunity to mm. just hardball. Yep. And, um, I'll, I'll keep some shops, I'll lose some, yep. some shops, but mm -hmm. I don't really care. Because it comes to a point... There's no point in having a shop if it's not making a profit. Thank you. That's exactly where it's I was about to go. as well. Yeah. Because why do it? Yeah, it's a waste of time. And this is where a lot of people struggle with, because sometimes they find themselves in a position where they're not making any money, but they don't... I, I'm trying to find the right word. Would it be courage? They don't have the courage to go, that's it. I'm going to draw a line in the sand. I'm going to stop. You know, I think um, they define themselves as having this business. Yes. That defines them. Yes, it does. Well, yes. Define your, if you're not making any money out of it, find another way of defining yourself. Yep. Mm. It's not worth it. Mm. Um, just we touched on shopping centre and non-shopping mm. centre mm. mm. um, situations for salons and the respective rents you pay. One advice I will give anybody who's recently started or contemplating starting a salon business... If you go into a shopping centre, you've got to have all guns blazing in every aspect of your business, and you've got to have all cylinders running. Yep. You can't you can't go in with three out of four cylinders running and pay the sort of rents they want. Mm -hmm. You've got to really know what you're doing. You've got to be very good at running that business. Mm -hmm. You've got to retail a lot. Yes, to definitely. To help justify the position of all those people wandering by. Mm -hmm. So you've got to do all of that and do it very well. However, if you are a truly gifted hairdresser, mm -hmm. and, and I mean that, mm. I'm not kidding yourself that you're yep. a gifted hairdresser, mm. but you're somebody clients will follow to the yep. other side of the city, mm -hmm. so you can open a destination business. Yes, thank you. Then yes. you don't need to go into a shopping centre. Yep. And you then got the opportunity, particularly at the moment with in interest rates being close to zero, mm. buy your own building. That's it. Mm-hmm. I never had destination salons. Mm -hmm. I was never a good hairdresser. Mm -hmm. um, my wife was a good hairdresser, but she wasn't a... Um, who's a name hairdresser today? An Emiliano. Emiliano. Good my example. good friend Emiliano yes. from Salon, E-Salon. Mm. He's a very good hairdresser. Yeah, and is. people will follow him. Absolutely. Um, if you're that style of hairdresser, then buy your own shop. Mm. 
pay Become it. your own landlord. Absolutely. Make it an investment. Yeah. Let your super fund buy it, whatever it may be. If you're not in the busiest spot in the, in the high street, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be. That's it. You can mm-hmm. even be upstairs. That's it. So uh, that, that's a bit of advice I would give. For mm. the style of business I've, all, all, uh, I've always run, and we've always been very big in retail. Yeah. So what, just to give everyone a bit of perspective, sorry to interrupt you there, John, but what sort of, what's your percentage of turnover? How much of retail represents in percentage terms of your turnover? It's, it's most probably now about 25%. Right. It's been as high as 30 mm-hmm. That's come back That's a bit. Solid. That's solid. That's inter- solid. Internet sales. Exactly, yes. And that affects everybody. But... Mm. Um, it's most probably now about 25%, which yep. is a big chunk of the business. Mm, mm. But that helps me offset the very high rents I'm paying. Yes, of so course. It, it sort of makes sense. Yep. If you're upstairs in a suburb, mm-hmm. you ain't going to do much walk-in retail. No, it'll be mainly recommended retail. But I, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for our industry to, to re-gear coming out of this. And I think you're right. They're, I think they're, in here in particular, a lot of people follow the stylist. So therefore, I think you have a much greater magnet to bring people to wherever you want to go. Um, in some other areas where I work, for example, laser and hair removal, they're actually going through the exact reverse. They used to be up in the service areas. Now they're down in main food areas because they want the traffic. Yeah. You know, and laser hair removal is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but for our business, when you are running a artistic business you actually have the ability to bring people to you and i think that is a tremendous opportunity because one you get to reduce your rents two your costs and three you have run the opportunity of owning the business yeah or owning the building yeah look it, it makes know. eminent good sense yeah. now then you do have a business that's profitable well <laughs> potentially as long as you don't end up paying your staff too much for yes example. exactly yes i mean the biggest bill you can ever have in a hairdressing salon is your wage bill that's it that's yep. your biggest single cost yep. mm-hmm. and that's the main one you've got to keep um, control of yeah very very true so, indeed so um mm. so if, if we were if we were circling around here and starting to wander back to you know that first question i asked you and we flipped it around and said if we were talking to a young hairdresser here today who was in their 20s and you know they're, they're doing really well they maybe have done a comp or something and they're you know feeling very strong and confident got a good clientele they want to step out and open their own business and they came to you and said john what what, what should i do what should i focus on what should i be thinking about um, what sort of advice would you give um, that next generation of our industry well, I guess if you're in, with that situation, if it's somebody starting the very first business, I would ask them, how do you intend to fund it? Yeah, well, normally uh, mum and dad. <clears throat> Banker, mum and dad. That's yep. excellent. That's mm. an excellent um, choice. <laughs> Low interest. It's rather close to home, actually. Yes. And, and I'm not talking about my mum and dad. Yeah. They're, they're both long gone. Huh. I'm talking more about me being dad yes. and my wife being mum. Mm. Um, if you can get your parents to help you fund it, that's a fantastic start. Yes. Um, very, very, very hard, even these days, as a young person with no prior business experience, no money and no real estate to get a loan to start a small business. Absolutely. Almost so, impossible. Almost impossible. Yep. So um, if you're a girl, you can scout around for a rich boyfriend. <laughs> Or you've got very indulgent and, you know, they don't have to be that well off, but reasonably well-heeled parents. Yep. Um, or, or, and this is interesting, another thing from COVID. Hmm. Um, when we declined to take on the Chatswood Salon, yep. I mentioned we've lost one salon yep. during mm-hmm. COVID, 
I said to Westfield, do you want me to defit the shop, that is strip it back out to the shell I leased, which in your lease you are um, obliged to do. A cold, a cold fitting, whatever and they call it. And that can cost yep. you 30 grand or more. To strip it, yep. Or would you like me to leave it fitted as a salon? Just debranded. Mm. Debranded. Mm. And they said, oh, look, you can leave it as it is. <laughs> Because as you can imagine, with the amount of shops that have closed in shopping centres and are still closing, yes, um, Westfield and Lendlease and mm. AMP and all the other major landlords and major shopping centres, all of them have got empty shops. Yep. Depending in which suburb you're in and which centre, some mm -hmm. of them have got... I, I, during COVID, when I got bored, because mm. I sometimes didn't have much to do, <laughs> I would wander around shopping centres where I had a salon mm. and count how many empty shops were gone, mm. how mm. many disappeared kiosks yep. there were. Yep. And you could tell where kiosks used to be. Mm. You either look at the covered up service points in the floor. Yes, yes. Or Westfield got into a habit of buying some potted palms and some very, very ugly high back antique type chairs I call them old man lounges <laughs> old man lounges and they sprung up everywhere yes, yes. and there used to be a kiosk there. Yeah, that's exactly right Spot and on. Um, mm. the point I'm making cut a long story short is there are a lot of opportunities at the moment in a lot of shopping centres to walk into a fitted out shop that's it, thank on you. a suck it and see basis. That's exactly right. Yep. Now, it's very rare in the past you've had those opportunities. Extremely rare. I remember when I went into our first Westfield Centre, which was East Gardens near the airport in Sydney, and that would be now 34 years ago. Mm -hmm. That was our first Westfield mm -hmm. Centre. I had to join a queue of at least 40 potential salon operators to get into that centre. And they were going to open it up with five or six salons yep. in there. Yes. And we were lucky because it was our first one and we managed to, to win one of the bids. Mm. But these days, Westwood haven't had queues to get into their centres for years. No. And um, since this COVID thing, mm. um, there are opportunities out there you will never find again in your life. That's exactly to true. To walk yes. into a fitted out shop for mm. nothing. Yep. You need to scrounge a bit, of, um, a bit of money together to get mm. some stock. Yep. And you can usually say to Westfield, look, I don't want to sign a lease. I don't know how it's going to go. Mm. I'll give it a go. Yep. I'm young. I'm enthusiastic. I'm very good at what I do. Got lots of energy. Yep. If I can make this work, give, give me six months. Yeah, six or four months it, or whatever. Then I'll yep. sign mm. your lease. Mm. Mm. I think and you'll get a deal. You will. You yes. will get a deal. Yeah, I think you could try that in most major shopping centres yes. at the moment. Mm. Yes. Mm. So Westfield don't insist on a defit at the moment. Well, it's also, we could describe that bit of advice is a once-in-a-lifetime piece of advice it really because is. it's never happened before no. and we hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Neil, but mm. it is a once-in-a-lifetime. Mm. I can't ever think of a period, even when we've had recessions in Australia, and mm. we haven't had one for, mm -hmm. I think, we're the longest oh. in the Western world without a recession. Well, the, the, the Keating one he said we had to have, but that was a blimp. It wasn't really well, anything. Well, that was that the early 90s. Yes. I remember mm. that very, very mm. well. Mm. And when interest rates went up, this is on home loans with yep. 18%. Yes, I remember. I had a house thing. Yes, Young yes. people today won't even believe that, no, but it's no. true. Mm, mm. But we didn't have that many empty shops. There would have been a bit more than no, usual. very rare. But not yeah. like you've seen today. No. I've gone round and counted in a big Westfield, 
70 mm. empty mm. shops, mm. 70 mm. plus, and disappeared kiosks, yep. old man's chairs, yes, yes. Um, or a temporary tenant, mm -hmm. a rug shop pops That's up, it. Yes, yes, and there's uh, no roof in there or anything. That's you can it. tell a temporary tenant. Yep, just you a know, warehouse you type film. You can film. smell them. <laughs> yes, and, <yeah>. um, it, <laughs> It, it's been a fascinating period. It I mean, has. I'm 70 later this year, which is pretty old when I think about it. So I've been around a while. I've never, ever seen anything like this. No, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. But exciting opportunities, as you said earlier, that you would never, ever have had before. And I think if you are... Actually, if you're you thinking know, of starting a business, you should be excited. I'd say, I'd say now is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go out and hunt down a deal. that You will look back on in years and then go... OMG, if I only had you know that again, I could then go and get my second or third or fourth salon or whatever. Yeah. I think there are some yeah. fantastic God, opportunities. God forbid we ever get anything like COVID again, but yeah. you'll be very lucky to see an opportunity, oh, opportunity like this again. Yeah. But you've got to have confidence and you've got to have your skills and you need to know your numbers. You do need to know your numbers because you might start off with a bang and a very almost zero cost entry level, yep. which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Mm -hmm. That still don't mean you're going to make money. Exactly right. So one of the things we like to do is part of this series John and as we walk, walk towards the end of our chat today is that uh, anyone who's interested in learning more about the numbers anyone who's interested in learning more about profit all they need to do is drop me an email with the word profit in it I will send them out a very simple tool which is called a instant profit assessment tool it's a little grid and all they need to do is fill it out with the numbers and it will show them and compare you to other businesses as to how profitable you currently are or how profitable you can be so if you do want that, please just drop it in uh, the whatever form you're listening to us. Just drop it in the message box. I, I am a little bit distracted because I'm just sitting here watching the beginning of a yacht race. Um, we're sitting here looking right up over Pitwater to uh, Lion Island. It's an absolutely gorgeous day. And being a little bit of a sailor, I must admit I do apologise. I've just got distracted by watching the boys round their first mark of the race. So... John, they're all readying themselves for the Wednesday afternoon races. Yes, and I'm sure the cold ones are popping as we speak. So, yeah. uh, John, it's been a delight uh, to know you all these years, and thank you. And, and more importantly, thank you for sharing some of your wisdom um, with our audience. It's been really great to have some time with you today. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Neil. It really has been great. Thank you. Good on you. Thank you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get to Yes podcast. If you like what you've heard, please share it with others who also want a more profitable business. Until our next episode, you can visit Neil at thesalescatalyst.com.au.